Hello and welcome back to Latter-day Ramblings. My name is Christina, I'm your host, as always, and today I won't be reacting to anything, as I usually do, as I have in the past few episodes, but I'm actually going to be discussing a doctrinal question um, pertaining to the problem of evil. Now, the problem of evil is something that most Christians will be familiar with, um, atheists who have studied Christianity and, you know, theism as well. The problem of evil is basically the question of if God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent, so all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving, if he's all those things, then why does evil exist in the world, right? Um, that is the basic premise, that's the simplest way of stating it, um, and of course, there have been lots of debates about this, philosophical debates throughout history. Um, one of the earliest people to um, weigh in on this was St. Augustine in like 400 AD. And since then, there have been lots of responses. There have been lots of defenses, lots of, you know, different talking points, different ideas uh, on this problem. But first, I want to discuss the problem itself a bit more, because maybe just by hearing the question, it doesn't make sense to you yet. But it's the thing, right? So God is all-loving. So God wants you to be okay. God loves you and wants the best for you, right? That's the first one. He is all-knowing, so he knows everything that is happening, and he's all-powerful. He's he has the power to do anything. So if he knows everything and can do everything and loves you and wants the best for you, then why do terrible things still happen to good people? Basically, that's a different way to put it, right? To innocent people who don't deserve anything, it's it's not justice, like in the Christian idea of that. It's just unfortunate and it's horrible. Like if you see all the suffering that happens in the world today, most people are not aware of it all the time. But if you think about it for a second, all the atrocities that are happening at every moment, all the people that are starving, people that are, do not have access to clean drink, drinking water, who are suffering because of illness or are homeless, don't have anywhere to go, you know, it is quite, quite horrible to think about. And, you know, we live in a first world country. We don't, you know, we have the privilege not to have to think about that all the time, right? And so the misfortunes that we think of are like, oh, why did God make me lose my keys? Or like, why did God, you know, make my grandparents die at a decent old age of a natural death, you know? I'm not saying that people in first world countries who are privileged don't have any significant misfortunes to deal with. That was just a joke. But as Mormons, you know, those were the things that we believed God would help us with. Like, once I lost my phone... And I, I prayed to God, and then God made me find my phone again. Like, it was that kind of a miracle. But then when you look back on it now, I'm, I'm like, but what about all the people who really needed that help? You know? Who really needed God to intervene, or they would have died. You know? Like, there's way more important things happening. And I thought that what I was doing was important, that my losing my phone was important, that I, that, that was suffering to me. But just on a wider scope, if you think about everything that's happening, most people in the world are suffering. You know, most people in the world suffer on a daily basis and die at the age of four. You know, most people throughout history have died 
as a baby have died in the womb. You know, they haven't had a chance at a life. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But that is kind of the, the premise of the problem of evil. If you are aware of the amount of suffering that happens every day on this planet, the question arises, why would God have designed a world to be this way? And that is what the problem of evil is about. So let's start with the philosopher Epicurus. So Epicurus was a Greek philosopher. He lived around uh, 300 BCE, and he stated the logical problem of evil as follows. So he said, premise one, the first premise is, if an omnipotent, omnibenevolent, and omniscient God exists, then evil does not. The second premise is, there is evil in the world, which leads to the conclusion, therefore, an omnipotent, omnibenevolent, and omniscient God does not exist. So he's basically saying that the God that people envision when thinking about a God, that he can do everything and knows everything and loves everything, loves all humans at least, right? On all his creations. And that God cannot exist, is not compatible with the world that we live in. And 18th century philosopher David Hume summarized um, the problem of evil as stated by Epicurus as follows. He said, quote, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then from whence comes evil? End quote. So what he's basically saying is that you need to make concession on one of these three characteristics of God. He is either not omnibenevolent, not omniscient, or not all-powerful. Right? Otherwise, evil would not exist. Now, then we come to the first um, refutation of the problem of evil, uh, and that is that sometimes evil and sometimes suffering is for our benefit. And that is also what Mormonism kind of states, is that our life on earth is a test, right? And that suffering will strengthen our character, will test us as, per as people, and will make us better people in the end, right? So then... Uh, that leads to a more nuanced way of stating this problem of evil, uh, which just includes gratuitous evil, right? Gratuitous suffering. So there's some suffering that might be necessary. There's some suffering that might uh, be just a, cha a personal challenge that might make us better people. But if we just completely isolate that suffering and don't count that into this problem of evil, we get a completely different statement. This might be more in line with the evidential problem of evil. Like the statement I, I uh, stated before is the logical problem of evil. It, it basically says that, um, you know, the world is logically inconsistent with um, an omnipotent, omnibenevolent, omniscient God. Whereas the evidential problem of evil says that it is very improbable that such a god exists with this world, but it doesn't discount the possibility, you know, it just says that it's less probable than, for example, the hypothesis of indifference. Um, as Paul Draper said, for example, the hypothesis of indifference is that if there are supernatural beings, they are indifferent to gratuitous evils, and that that is a more logical explanation to why gratuitous evils exist than just theism in itself and all those attributes attributed to god. But all right, okay, let's get into Mormonism's role in this. Like I already ta talked about, you know, um, the role of evil uh, to strengthen our moral character. 
We see that in the book of Job, for example, in the Old Testament, um, in which uh, Satan basically kills all of Job's family, takes away all his all his possessions, and makes him a miserable, depressed person, uh, which God approves of because God wants to see whether Job is an actual follower of God or whether he just does that when, you know, he lives a comfortable life, basically. So it's, it's a way to... Um, get Job to stop believing, but in the end, Job stays strong, and he's still a believer, even though God ruined his life. It's a weird story, if you think about it. You know, it's, it is a weird story. It's like, so, so God gave, gave Satan permission to do this to Job just because he wanted to win a bet. Okay, no, that makes perfect sense. That is totally compatible with with an omnibenevolent god, you know? That's that sounds like a god just just doing what's right, just just making someone happy. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But then we stumble onto another defense, um, another theodicy, if you will. Um, the idea that this life is not all that matters, right? Because uh, theists believe that there is an afterlife. And that if you stay strong in this life, and if you withstand the suffering, uh, and all the all the tests that God slash Satan, it's unclear sometimes who does it, um, puts you through, right? Uh, and that you will be rewarded for it in the afterlife. Now, on the surface, this seems like a good refutation. This is like, okay, well, you may go through some bad things, some traumas, you know, but in the end, you'll have eternal happiness, you know? That's great. That's awesome. But the thing is, like, if you compare it to something that would happen in this life, for example, um, let's say a hitman murders your family or a family member, like something like that, and you suffer and you've lost everyone that you loved um, and you're miserable and you're depressed and you're angry and like all these horrible feelings and, and, and you can't live a normal life anymore. You're stuck in this grief, you know, all of that. You're miserable. But then the hitman comes back along in your life and gives you like a hundred billion dollars. It's a similar thing, really. Like it might seem like a cheap comparison, but really like with that money, you could get like top grade therapy you could have an easier life, you know? You could forget about all the troubles in your past. You could just have a good time from here on out. That's what the money promises you. And that's also what eternal happiness and the afterlife promises you. You know, forget about your traumas. Forget about your, what you went through. It doesn't matter. And to me, that is dehumanizing. It's the human, dehumanizing in the same exact way. And I don't think either situation is right. And that's why I'm making the comparison. But then there's another question, like, why would God allow the hitman to kill your family at all? Why would he do that? Why would he allow that, right? And a Christian might respond, uh, because God gave us free will. God gave us free will, and therefore people make bad choices, and that leads to suffering. And that makes sense. It does make sense. Because lots of evils in the world are man-made. Um, although not all of them, and I'll get back to that, but let's just focus on the evils caused by free will. So the implied premise of this, you say, okay, so these evils are caused by, you know, God giving us free will, therefore, they are justified. That's basically what you're saying. Like, God giving us free will has more value than the suffering of all these people combined, right? And we just blindly accept that 
as true. We don't even think about it. We just say, oh, okay, well, God did this. So, you know, it must be, it must be fine that all these people are, are suffering. It's because of free will. There's nothing we can do. You know, there's nothing God can do. That's just the way it is. But that kind of thinking doesn't even consider that this world doesn't have to be the way it is. And that is what changed my entire world's view when it comes to God. Like, there was a period after leaving Mormonism that I still believed in God, and I was I still kind of considered myself like a Christian or a deist or something in that realm, and I was trying to make it work. Until I realized that this world doesn't need to be the way it is. And once that clicked, everything changed for me. But let's get back to the idea of free will, right? Where did that come from? So in Mormon doctrine, for example, there's the idea that um, in the pre-mortal life, we had God and his two sons, Jesus and Lucifer, right? And God wanted them to come up with a plan for all his other children, right? And Jesus was like, well, I want to send all, all of them, all the spirits to earth and I want to make them live life in a body, and I want to give them free will to make their own choices, to try to make their way onto the covenant path back to you, God, and also all the glory is for you and not for me. And then Lucifer's plan. Lucifer's plan was also that, you know, we would send all the spirit children to an earth, to a planet, we would give them a body, uh, and then we wouldn't give them free will, we would force them to always choose to do the right thing and no one would hurt each other and it would all be like peace and happiness on earth basically and then people would be forced quote unquote to to follow god to live good lives and then all come back to him basically all humans would be saved all humans would be exalted and in Mormonism, this is seen as like the most horrible plan anyone has ever come up with. You know, it's 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 infringing on our, you know, right to choose and, you know, um, that we deserve free will more than anything and that, you know, free will is held up to this standard on this, it's put on this pedestal. And just the idea of everyone being forced to be good sounds so atrocious to them. Whether when I looked at it with my new eyes, right, I was like, you know what? I honestly, I wouldn't mind being forced to do good at all times and just live a good life and never hurt anyone, have no one hurt me. That sounds like a pretty good time, honestly. Honestly, I don't think I'd, I'd trade free will for, for that. Um, you know, I'm sure lots of people would be happy with, you know, um, free healthcare everywhere, uh, with, you know, more equal wealth distribution, you know, everyone being able to live a decent happy, healthy life. That sounds like not a bad thing. That sounds like not a bad thing, but Mormonism makes it out to be a horrible thing because we didn't choose that. We didn't choose that. And of course, I'm not saying that free will doesn't matter, but in this case, it's considering the good of the collective, right? The good of all of humanity weighed up against the good of individuals. And Ultimately, this whole idea of that free will is the most important thing is American. It's entirely American and just in that entire culture and the American dream and just making it for yourself and, you know. And I'm not saying that being forced to do something or forced to live your life a certain way is always a good thing. That is not the case. But when it comes to the hypothetical of God, God being 
basically the person who wrote the book on good and evil. He knows, like, he's the standard for what's good and what's evil. He's the objective standard of morality to everyone here. I wouldn't mind him just forcing everyone to do good all the time. But, I mean, when it comes to a government, when it comes to something like that, that is entirely different because they're not, you know, a god. <laughs> but that's Lucifer's plan, and that's how Lucifer became Satan, because he came up with this horrendous plan of not giving people free will and then letting them all have good lives, right? Because that is objectively evil. That's an evil thing to do. And so the one-third of human spirits that chose for his plan instead of Jesus's plan were basically damned to uh, hell or the celestial kingdom or outer darkness, whatever you want to call it. Basically, they didn't go to a good place. Um, and so they, Mormons just demonized this whole idea of, of intervention in human agency. Uh, when sometimes that's good. Like, if I could force everyone on Earth not to murder anyone except for self-defense reasons, if I could force any everyone to not be violent, if I could force everyone to not be abusers or rapists, I would do it. I would do it. And I don't think anyone is screaming at me like, what about free will? Well, fuck free will when it comes to human suffering and human, you know, bodily autonomy. I think those things are more important. And that being happy and being healthy is more important than having free will in itself, right? So in essence, this whole plan that Lucifer thought of was not evil. It was not evil, and that leads to a whole thing like, but Satan is supposed to be evil, yet he wanted what's good for people, and it doesn't make any sense. That's also a part of Mormon doctrine that doesn't make any sense at all. But so that's the whole, um, the free will defense basically debunked, refuted. I don't think it makes any sense personally. I think it's a stretch to to say that free will matters more than just the well-being of literally everyone. Um, but that's just me, I guess. The next thing I want to focus on is uh, evil or suffering that is not caused by humans' free will. We could call this natural evil. And the problem of natural evil is more difficult. For example, uh, in nature, things like floods, things like uh, very destructive storms, earthquakes, droughts and famines, um, natural forest fires, uh, but also like viruses like uh, Ebola or literally Corona, the coronavirus, um, that is very relevant right now. Um, all of that, all of that, that is caused by, nat by natural causes. And one could argue God could have stopped that. God could have stopped that, but he didn't. Why? Why didn't he do that? Because does he think that people starving or people dying from sickness strengthens their character? Does it lead to a higher good or something? Or does he just not care? Does he just not care? Is he just not as good as we think he is? It leads to all these questions. It doesn't make sense. And I think we all agree that it is just is incompatible. And if God couldn't have created a different world or a better world in which all these natural evils, natural suffering doesn't happen, then he's not all-powerful. And I'm fine with theists making any of these concessions. Like, when I was still a theist or a deist, actually, that's what led me to be a deist in the first place, because I didn't think, you know, that God being all-powerful was compatible with the world that, that I lived in, right? I was like, well, surely God would change this if he could, but maybe he can't because, you know... He can't do everything. He can just, you know, he's just the most powerful 
being in the universe, but he's he isn't all powerful. There's a difference, right? And I made that concession and it made more sense, but I couldn't sustain it forever. But I don't blame anyone who does sustain that and who does believe that because it's a whole different idea than the, you know, the regular theist god or Christian god that people believe in. In the end, I think you have to make one of these concessions to make it make sense, you know? And I encourage any theist to do that. Like, I don't mind, I don't mind you saying that God doesn't know everything or God can't do everything. Like, just be honest and be humble when it comes to your beliefs. Like, if something no longer makes sense, you know, feel free to change your mind sometimes. You know, don't hold fast to a belief that doesn't make sense, ultimately. But okay, part of this natural evil is animal suffering. For the most part, lo there's lots of animal suffering that is caused by humans. Uh, animal abuse still rampant everywhere, um, especially in factory farms and stuff like that. And animals are still being brutally killed pretty much everywhere for food or for their skin, or for their secretions. Um, that sucks. But I want to focus on wild animal suffering. And you might wonder, like, why does that matter? But the thing is that this is one of the final nails in the coffin for me, like, especially when I became a vegetarian and then a vegan, is that when you look at the natural world and the animal worlds, wild animals, the whole predator and prey thing and just the way that nature works inherently, to me, it doesn't make sense that a benevolent god would create that in that way, basically, you know, because animal uh, god created animals to kill and eat each other, uh, including humans and that we eat animals. Um, he made that happen, right? And he also gave them the capability to suffer, right? He gave them feelings for whatever reason. He made them designed to be killed by predators or by other animals just and then suffer because of that horrendously. And I don't know, to me that seems like a sadistic way to create a world, doesn't it? Like, the first thing, you could have made literally ev everything, every animal on Earth a herbivore. That could have happened. There's no reason why that couldn't be the case. Or he just, he could have created animals that don't suffer, you know? Because suffering for animals, um, even though animals are sentient, they don't have any moral agency, they can't make moral choices, uh, it has no possibility to strengthen their character, then why do they suffer? There's no reason for it. There's literally zero reason for it. And yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. But I know that lots of Christians will come at me like, well, what gives you the right to, you know, try to create a different world than the one God created. Do you think you're better than God? Well, I don't think I'm better than God if God were to exist. The point I'm making is that none of this lines up. None of this makes any logical sense. And a good, omniscient, and omnipotent God would not have created a world like this. He just wouldn't have. And that's why I think it's improbable that a god exists, right? I think the world is just inherently incompatible with an all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing god. And that is kind of my argument. That is how I look at the problem of evil. I know there's lots of other different perspectives. Um, and I, I'm really interested in the dialogue surrounding all this. Um, but this is what I wanted to share.
today and I hope you learned something. I hope this gives you food for thought. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next one.